Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Kittitas Valley Sports Talk Podcast. We're your home for Wildcats, Bulldogs, Warriors, and Coyotes. The place to go for the latest sports news on all your favorite local sports teams. So sit back, relax, grab your favorite snack or beverage, and enjoy. Now here's your host for your Kittitas Valley Sports Talk, Luke Olson, John Gudat, and Eric Sorensen. Well, welcome back, Kittitas Valley Sports fans, Episode 6. Man, I'm excited to be back here today. We're back in Big Country Studios. We got our main man, John Gudat, main man to the right, Luke Olson. Guys, we're recording again. Life is good. I know. I know we don't have time to record every single day, but man, I really look forward to this when we're recording because we're, you know, we're, we're chatting it up on uh, our text thread and trying to, you know, come up with ideas. And um, it's just really fun to be in front of the mic. I know it's made me a better sports fan because you know I have to pay attention to things and and it makes Mondays not so terrible and I get excited for this. Uh, today's Tuesday. We're recording. We're recording about midday. I was out farming. I come back to the studio halfway here. I see a porta potty halfway blown over because of the wind. Tells me it's baseball season, but it's not. But in a way, tonight game one World Series. Who do you guys got in the World Series? I honestly, I don't see anybody beating the Astros. I honestly thought the Yankees were going to win it all, but uh, um, no, I, I don't see the Astros losing. Yeah, I got the Astros. They just they're so deep. You know, got a great pitching staff. But you then, could convince me four games to one. Yeah, I mean, Nationals are good. It hurts that they're the second to last team, or you know, puts the Mariners at the only team to. Not make the Thanks World Series. Up. Yeah, I know. Thanks. I don't know why that came through, but <laughs> uh, I'm hoping the Nationals. But Astro, I got the Astros. So I'm I'm going to pick my normal pick when the Mariners are in it, which is almost every year. But I'm rooting for Game Seven because I mean, seven more games, I get to watch baseball. I know my wife Paige probably isn't too thrilled about that option. Uh, but tonight's matchup will be fun: Max Serger, Garrett Cole. But ultimately, when they get to Game Seven, I'm going to pick the Houston Astros. So as most of you know, and Everybody that lives here and listens and is from Ellensburg, they know that there's a very large event in our valley come Labor Day weekend, the Ellensburg Rodeo. And we are very lucky that a guy on our on our staff here at uh, the Kid Has Valley Sports Talk is John Gudat, who covers the Daily Record. Luke does some too. Uh, we're going to get him a cowboy hat soon because he needs to learn what a cowboy attire is when he's covering in the arena. Or the, yeah, that's yeah. Have to give the guy from Seattle a bad time. <laughs> uh, but quickly, you know, we got some uh, we got some really big plans coming up. Uh, pre-NFR episode. Also, the episode next summer leading up to the Ellensburg Rodeo, we're super pumped about the opportunities that we're getting there. But we're going to keep that a secret because it's always fun to keep people waiting, right? You're going to enjoy it. So right now, John, where is the PRCA schedule? So regular season uh, every year ends uh, at the end of September. So we're technically in the 2020 season, 2020 season. So, uh, you know, rodeo, um, obviously here is pretty darn cold. Uh, so people usually are practicing, you know, in the bloom pavilion or, or, uh, you know, in the covered, uh, arena somewhere around the Valley here, but PRCA is, uh, you know, they're doing a lot of circuit finals. So the circuits around the nation, uh, a lot of circuit finals there. Um, our circuit here, the Columbia river circuit, uh, just last weekend, uh, their steer roping finals, uh, was just last weekend down there in Oregon. Of course, our, our regular circuit finals doesn't start until January in, in the Sun Dome. But, uh, uh, you know, at this point, guys are just getting rested up. Uh, and the top 15 in each standings, uh, 
they're getting ready for NFR, which is always early December. And NFR in Vegas, if you haven't been there, you got to do it at least once. It's incredible because, one, Vegas is a great town, I guess you could say. You can do whatever you want, as as innocent or as <laughs> much debauchery as you want. But really, NFR uh, in Vegas, I mean, you just have thousands of people, literally thousands of people there who are all like-minded, um, who come to Vegas um, just to go watch some rodeo. Um, either they go to the Thomas Mack Center at UNLV to watch a sold out show or every casino has live streams uh, from the arena that are piped into each casino. And so there's tons of watch parties at every casino. It's, it's super, super fun. And, you know, these last handful of years has been really, really fun because we've had the minor brothers in there every year, uh, almost every year. I think over the last 13 years together, uh, they've gone, um, they've gone 10 times and uh, they're there again they're ranked uh, sixth. Uh, uh, Riley is the sixth ranked heater. He, uh, pardon me, header uh, in team roping, and, and Brady is as well on, on the healing side. And um, just so much money to be won there. Um, other locals, uh, Jake Miner uh, missed out on it this year, um, and uh, Jake Pratt missed out on it as well this year. They were in it until the very end, and so um, it's great when multiple. Valley Ropers get there. And and um, so we'll talk a little bit more about that as we head into, you know, Thanksgiving time and December time. Uh, uh, the NFR is just incredible to watch on TV if you can't get there live. Are you going to be able to get down there? I get press passes every year. Um, and usually when I say that, that makes a lot of people jealous. Um, uh, this year, it's looking difficult at best. Um, so if I usually on the years that I can't be there, not usually every time on the, on the years that I can't be there, I'm always, um, watching it on TV. Um, you know, I've got a couple of laptops up. One is doing piping in the, uh, um, uh, the radio broadcast of it. Um, uh, then I'll watch it on TV and then I'll watch it on Twitter and Facebook, uh, all the updates. I'm, I'm kind of a rodeo nutcase. That's pretty awesome. No, that'll be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to the future um, podcast episodes we're going to have about rodeo in, in, in our great Valley. All right, Valley Sports Talk fans, we'd like to welcome our guest this week. A lot of you from Ellensburg know him. He's the EHS Athletic Director, EHS Alumni, Central Washington University Alumni. Cole Kanyer, welcome to the podcast. Appreciate you guys having me. Got a familiar faces in here. Excited to talk sports. Absolutely. No, we're lucky to have you today. And you found your way here. That was great. I know Big Country Studios is is a pretty easy place to find. So out in the country. Absolutely. I don't think Luke's <laughs> hit the driveway once yet. He's driving the drive by every time. <laughs> so Cole, take us through your path from Ellensburg to where you are now. Sure. Well, <clears throat> as you kind of mentioned it, born and raised here in Ellensburg, and uh, I was a Mount Stewart Eagle, a Morgan Middle School Tiger, and an Ellensburg Bulldog. Class of 2002, in my senior year, I was fortunate enough to meet a guy named John Goodat who caught me a flight from Pasco, Washington to Bowers Field for my senior prom to make sure I made it. So <laughs> John had a hookup that day. So we go back quite a ways too. But uh, yeah, I was a three-sport athlete my freshman and sophomore year, and then I, I dropped basketball and just played football and baseball my junior and senior year. And then uh, was fortunate enough to continue playing baseball in college and went to Wenatchee Valley College for two years. Transferred from Wenatchee Valley College to Central uh, to continue playing baseball and graduated Central in 2007 
and got a teaching job at Mossy Rock High School in the uh, fall of 2007. Taught at Mossy Rock for six years. I was teacher for uh, uh, school health education. I was uh, strength conditioning and general physical education. And then about two and a half years into that uh, career, my principal got sick. So our acting AD became principal and I became athletic director. And for the last nine and a half years now, I've been an AD in some shape or form. Uh, also coached three sports at Mossy Rock, football, basketball, and baseball at different levels. And uh, fall of two, or I guess it was May of 2013, I was back home for Mother's Day and ran into Todd Gibson at Fred Meyer. And he told me that Eric Davis was looking at going to Hanford High School. So I called it Davis and he confirmed that rumor. And uh, I submitted my stuff and got hired in July of 2013 to take over the Bulldog Athletic Program. And so for the last, this is my seventh year back in Ellensburg, and it's been a ride. Well, you've been here for quite the run. I mean, three three baseball state championships, yep. a football team that's been in the playoffs almost every year, and a basketball team that's always very competitive, at least on the boys' side of things. And I bet it's a pretty exciting time to be a part of EHS athletics. Absolutely. And, <clears throat> you know, we... I came through in a really, really challenging Mid-Valley League where we had West Valley, Hanford, obviously Prosser, um, a lot of really, really quality teams that are now 4A teams who are beating people with 4As. And so week in, week out, we were challenged. And there's a little bit more um, inequity from a competitive standpoint in the CWAC, but there are still some of those same schools, Prosser, Othello, Efreda, that have always plagued us and, and – uh, really challenged us and taking us to our, to our best performance. But um, the success has been outstanding. We've had a crazy run of quality athletes and quality people. Um, the support of the programs is greater than anything that I could have ever expected coming back here and really didn't even know maybe as an athlete, how much we were supported, but uh, this town and its people definitely support sports for Kittitas County. Did you have any idea coach from coming from, Mossy Rock, back to your hometown, um, what kind of a jump is that? I mean, obviously, there's an emotional jump of just being able to be back in your hometown and lead a group of great coaches and student-athletes, but um, going from Mossy Rock, which is 2B, to a um, you know a decent-sized 2A school, what was the biggest learning curve there? Well, half of my title is assistant principal at the high school as well, so... Um along with being in charge of athletics, I do some teacher evaluations and, and some student discipline from time to time. But uh, I'd say the probably the most difficult jump was just kind of getting reoriented back in, in Ellensburg, um, you know, coming back to your hometown, but kind of feeling like an outsider was, was a weird feeling and coming back and working alongside and even being, um, you know, the bosses of some of my former teachers and coaches was a little bit weird. So it took the first year for sure to reestablish those relationships and kind of move, move into that leadership role and, and, uh, you know, show people that, that I was passionate about what they were doing. I was going to support what they were doing and, and uh, help them in any way that I could. In terms of the job itself, um, it was it's the same job, just on a little bit bigger scale. Like I was paid a small stipend for being AD at Mossy Rock, and we offered eight sports throughout the three seasons. And we come to Ellensburg, and we offer 18 sports throughout the three seasons. So I had to get really organized really quick, and I attribute a lot of that uh, organizational help to both Eric Davis, who – was there for a phone call or an email any day that I needed him that first year. And then my secretary at the time, Shirley Way, and uh, really was instrumental in helping me get organized with a lot of the different procedures I'm still using today after seven years. So, Well, talk about some of the changes in the league. 
you know, baseball was it last year went to a different whole different schedule with different leagues. And just talk about the changes that you've seen over the last few years. Yeah. So this is the third year of our division football schedule. And three years ago, we had a big push from the WIAA to uh, adjust schedules accordingly because of, uh, if you guys remember correctly, Archbishop Murphy was dominant at the time and they had multiple schools that were forfeiting them in their 1A, 2A league. And so the WIA recognized that was an issue. They kind of put a, we had a big meeting over in Renton. Um, gosh, I can't remember when that took place, but it was a big push from the associate director at the time that we needed to do some things with our schedules moving forward so that we can ensure that we address the competitive inequity issue that we have across the state. So as a CWAC and a District 5, we met uh, our 1A schools and our 2A schools to talk about what we could do to address some of the competitive inequity. And what kind of shook out from that was this division schedule. And one of the promises that we had from WIA at the time would that be that they would manipulate the state bracket, which they have now done, to make sure that we don't match up in the first round with our league schools. Um, but second round is still obviously an issue. But uh, m- most importantly, it, it resulted in us changing to uh, – North and South divisions geographically and trying to ensure that we had the same kind of competitive inequity, but also opened up the non-league schedules so that some of the schools who were struggling a little bit um, could have an opportunity to get some more uh, opponents that match their level. Uh, it's been really good in that respect. It's addressed some competitive inequity, um, but it hasn't really addressed the um, situation where we have different strengths of schedule, but the same uh, avenues and shots to the postseason, which has been kind of something that had grinded my teeth about over the last three years, uh, because we obviously have played some really really tough teams in that three year period, culminating in this year with uh, you know three of our four non leaguers were top five teams, and uh, you know it's it takes it out of you, and, and kids get dinged up and kids get injured, and so anyway, it's going to look different next year because of uh, the way the schedule change is happening. The WIA passed an amendment last winter that addressed competitive inequity, and uh, they did it through socioeconomic status, essentially. So schools that uh, have a high enough free and reduced lunch rate can reduce their enrollment uh, pending on what the state average is. They can subtract their total free and reduced rate from the state average and reduce their enrollment by that percentage. So uh, very likely we are going to lose Wapato. Um, I think that's almost a certainty. So Wapato will go down the 1A ranks. Quincy and Toppenish have been kicking it around and are not quite sure. If I were to guess today what would happen, Quincy would probably be down too and Toppenish would remain in our league because their enrollment's a little bit higher than both Quincy and Wapato. But, uh, you know, the, con- the conversations that we've had in our uh, AD meetings have been very much surrounding a really tough 1A league too. So, just by going down, you're not necessarily addressing much of those competitive inequities that we were talking about because you got to play Zilla, you got to play Royal, a lot of these non-league teams that we've played so far. Kyle and Benton's a quality team. And there are some some 1A teams that I think match that competitive level a little bit better, but I think we're still going to see some of the same results in the same sports that we're seeing. Guapato's still going to be strong in wrestling. They're still going to be strong in basketball. And uh, they'll probably – be a little more competitive in some of those football games, but still having to face a, a Zilla or a Benton is still going to prove challenging for them. So, well, I mean, so there's potentially probably two teams that are going to drop down. I mean, so how have you guys kind of been talking about how you're going to, I mean, is the North and South going to be gone? Just going to be one league again? Yep. I mean, yep. Exactly right. So we'll have a seven, seven team schedule essentially, or 14 in basketball. So we'll be able to still get some of those non-league games that we've, 
sought out over the past few years. And uh, yeah, essentially it's going to, it's going to completely disrupt the division schedule and uh, division one, division two for baseball and softball and the North South schedule for football. Um, there are some discussions happening on whether or not we want to explore a one, a two, a league. And just by some of the preliminary uh, proposals that have been made, it's not really looking like it's going to work just because we run on the same issues. And then we're talking geography. If we include the CTL, along with the SCAC and then the CWAC, we have games all the way from OMAC to Goldendale, which is crazy, crazy. Sounds like the 2B League. Exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. yeah. So I just could not imagine driving from Ellensburg to OMAC for four hours and then playing a you know, a 30-minute, 45-minute volleyball match and driving home. You know, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. So, so I think that's probably in the back burner. And then come February when all the numbers are out and all of our Leagues alignments are kind of decided. We're going to have a big scheduling meeting where we can pick up some of those non-league games with some local schools and hopefully reduce our travel and help each other out because it's going to blow things up quite a bit for the CWAC and it's going to change things for the SCAC too. So, you know, again, just guesstimating here, um, we talk about two A's dropping down. Any three A's that you could see dropping down in in the like the old Mid-Valley three A's or anything? Yeah, so um, Sunnyside has been on the discussion to whether or not they're going to move themselves down to a 3A or even a, if they have enough high enough uh, free and reduced rate, they could potentially reduce down to a 2A school. I don't think right now with their rate and their enrollment that they would be able to qualify as a 2A, and there's not a ton of 3A schools in the area besides the two Tri-Cities 3As, or th- that'll be two next year. So um, it doesn't seem like a real sustainable league choice for them to do that, but, I mean, anything could happen. It's kind of a... It's kind of a big question mark right now. If you uh, if you were the WIAA director, I mean, is there some? Well, you know, not even if from that perspective. What are some ideas that are tossed around that you would like to see? In turn, I mean, is there a better fix, or is it one of those? It's a moving target every year as school enrollments change and economics change. I mean, I guess it's never a perfect fit every year. Well, we can track all of these changes <clears throat> down to one thing, and that's state championships, right? Postseason play it has nothing to do with league play, really. It has a chance. It has everything to do with we want to be in the state championships somehow, some way. Um, and there's one former athletic director who's now, I think, district two director. Uh, his name is Tom Doyle, and his consistent message is we can solve every problem we have in regards to athletics if we get rid of the state championships, <laughs> which you know, is a really legitimate point to look at, but uh, that's why a lot of kids play. It's that achievement. It's that, you know, it's that knowing where you stand among everybody else. Sometimes you're the best and sometimes you're not, but uh, postseason is that carrot that dangles in front of kids' mouths all year long playing at the varsity level, and, and that's the ultimate goal of all of our teams. So clearly, though, it wouldn't be a popular decision. It really would solve some of these, these issues because then – Teams would all just kind of be independent. You could develop your own league that would be competitive with whomever you wanted to. You could take into consideration travel. You could take into consideration quality of opponent. Um, and none, nothing else would matter. State allocations wouldn't matter. Um, league schedules wouldn't matter because you'd all just be kind of playing an independent schedule against teams that were similar to you in competitive competitive level. So it's a, it's a unique thought that I don't think will ever happen. But in reality, I think our state is trying to do the best thing for kids. And uh, the best thing for kids is not to have them shut down a football program because they haven't won a game in 10 years. So uh, I, I kind of 
I'm favorable to address the competitive inequity, but uh, I've got my own opinions on how to do that. And so, um, you know, this is one of those ways that kind of works out and it uh, puts a little more uh, pressure on CWAC schools to schedule non-league games, which could in fact Im improve or reduce our RPI rankings when it comes to various sports. And it looks like there's quite a few sports that are headed that direction. Sounds like you have a pretty busy job and the fact that there's lots of stuff going on, there's lots of office work and meetings and whatnot. What's the most enjoyable part of your job? Uh, <clears throat> the reason I got into education in the first place was as a coach, I was coaching Babe Ruth baseball uh, for the Palace Palace Cafe was my team that I played for and the team that I coached uh, when I got into high school and college. And I was working with a kid one day and, and uh, he wanted to be a pitcher and I was a pitcher. And so I was helping him out and he could not throw a curveball. So I taught him how to throw a curveball. I taught him how to throw a curveball for strikes. And I saw the excitement in him by achieving that ability to be a throw a curveball and turned out to be a decent pitcher and a pretty good baseball player. But, um, the thing that I enjoy the most out of my job is by far the relationships with students and coaches and parents that are all positive, you know, and, um, it's not, it's definitely not uh, rainbows and butterflies all the time. There's a lot of really difficult conversations that have to take place. And those are uh, oftentimes not enjoyable at all. But, you know, when you have a conversation with a kid and you can help them be a little bit better, that's kind of my life goal is to help, help students and anybody really who's around me to be just a little bit better than they were the day before. And I think it kind of roots to my favorite John Wooden quote in that, you know, it's, uh, uh, it's what you learn when you know it all that counts. And that's kind of been a guiding force for me to just kind of try to keep learning every day. And some days it works out really well and some days it doesn't work out really well. But uh, that was relationships, I think, are probably by far the most enjoyable part of the job. Which sets us up perfectly for the question that I have for you. It was one that I was listening to and you're familiar with, uh, for those of you who don't know, ABCA is the American Baseball Coaches Association. And they used to put a podcast out once a week. And that's where I got into the podcast game. And I was listening to one, they were interviewing some high school coaches, and they were talking about developing kids and relationships and how it's not just about, you know, the wins and losses and everything. It's about making them a better person. And I heard the quote, building baseball field is cheaper than paying for jails or building jails. Uh, basically, what they're saying is that investing your youth with baseball fields, football fields, basketball courts, that the return later in life is a heck of a lot cheaper than not having stuff for the youth to be doing them going down the wrong path and ending up basically in jail. Absolutely. So what's your thoughts on that? Well, we have, uh, <clears throat> currently we have about 467 kids turning out for sports at Ellensburg high school. I, I guess those are numbers from last year. Our enrollment was about 950, And so that's just over half of our population uh, or just about half of our population is turned out for sports. In total, we had about 620 kids turn out across multiple seasons and, uh, you know, Tim Graham is one of my uh, mentors, a guy I look up to. He's the athletic director at Tumwater High School. And his, he can often be heard saying that uh, as athletic directors, we, we run the number one dropout prevention program in schools. And I agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, you know, we provide opportunities not just through football, basketball, baseball, but through tennis, through swim, through a lot of uh, sports that are not mainstream sports, that kids have a connection to the school they take pride in it. They get to wear some bulldog gear as part of that. And, uh, and, and, you know, there are standards that, that you, they have to achieve in order to do that because participation is a privilege. Um, it's a, it's not a right, it's a privilege and, and kids take pride in doing that. And so having 600 and some turnouts 
is pretty impressive. I don't think you'll find any other program across any grade level in Kittitas County that uh, has as many kids participating in it as our athletic programs. You know, um, this is kind of off topic, but you guys also, you know, with come with the job, you guys made changes in the schedule for basketball and uh, you guys moved it for Saturdays, right? So can you kind of talk about that change? You went from 3.30 for girls and five for boys. What was the reason for yeah. that change? Well, fortunately, <clears throat> I take it for granted pretty often that we are centrally located in the CWAC because with the exception of Prosser and even Grandview a little bit, most of our trips are about one hour. I mean, give or take about 15 minutes. Uh, that's not the same thing to be said for Efreda or Prosser, who sometimes have to travel two, two and a half hours to get to a game on the far opposite side of the conference, right? So uh, last basketball season wreaked havoc on a number of our schools. For two years in a row now, we had a number of school cancellations and some reschedules, and trying to play those games was was really difficult. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we ran into uh, some issues in the postseason where we had a district tournament at the Sun Dome that everybody wanted to get to, and uh, there was no shortage of opinions on on Ellensburg not coming down because of the weather and Euphratus making the trip down. And so realistically is a way to hopefully combat some of the, the inclement weather situations that we're running into is moving those games up earlier in the day so that travel can happen in daylight hours on the way there. And then we can have time to evaluate and have a longer time to get our kids home uh, so that they're home safely and hopefully earlier and, um, you know, are not trying to battle a treacherous icy road at 11 o'clock at night coming back from Prosser. So mm -hmm. The daylight game or the daytime games kind of were an idea from uh, the MCC, which is a Tri City 3A 4A league. And uh, they have done some matinee games and found them really successful. And there was no change in attendance and, and passion and enthusiasm for those games. And so we're giving it a shot this year to see if it's something we continue at. Well, it's got to be a lot safer for the families. I mean, coming home, I 82 from Yakima, how many times is it dense fog and you can't see coming home late at night? And they got to appreciate that. What, what was the kind of reaction from the community? I mean, were they for it or what do you think? Well, we, so we reached out to our coaches, we reached out to our superintendents and uh, kind of initially it was about 50, 50 split among our superintendents on what they thought. So um, the idea was thrown out in an August meeting. Uh, we voted on it in September, came back in our October meeting because in September it was 50, 50. We came back in October and it was more like 90% of our superintendents were on board. Um, and some really didn't have an opinion and they kind of trust us to do our thing, but the coaches all really seemed to like it. There was very few who really, well, I don't want to say very few because I'm not plugged into every other school, but most of our coaches I think were excited about it and had an opportunity to now, you know, like I said, get home earlier and have safer travel options and things like that. So in terms of community, um, it's something I'm nervous about. You know, I want to make sure that we have our same, our same kind of turnout and our same support and enthusiasm and passion for, both boys and girls basketball, are, both teams are going to be solid this year. So I'm kind of interested to see if it affects people's day or if they look at it in a positive and say, well, gosh, I got to go out to dinner now at seven o'clock when the boys basketball game gets over or the girls basketball game gets over on Saturday. So we'll kind of see that and, and take in some data when we look at our gate numbers this year. Was, was Friday a talk to, or is it just Saturday? Just Saturday because Friday would uh, interrupt too much into school time. So okay. yeah. we, we start as early as we can for those JV games and then go from there. I think personally as a coach and now a father, I would totally be on board because now you get to tuck your kids in at night. And, uh, if, you know, you guys might not realize that, but coaches are family members and they got to come home 
and you're gonna be home by seven o'clock where you go three months and you know every games are a weekend you don't get to see your kids a bit and i bet they're gonna appreciate that a lot i hope they do and mm-hmm. and you know that was <clears throat> to be real frank um we had some feedback originally that oh ad's just want to get home earlier well that's not the case because we're still gonna be spending eight to ten hours in the gym after setup takedown and everything else so um but you're 100 right it'll get us home earlier it'll get us a little more time with our families and uh you know, the workday is still going to be the same, but it'll be fun. I'm excited about it. And the games are still going to be played. Exactly so right. there's no major change. It's just, a, I mean, you're not taking away games. You're just making them easier. Yep. And, and we're hoping, too, that it might provide a little easier options for officials to get to our schools, too. Um, there's an official shortage in every sport. You name it, there's, they're searching for people to help. And so, um, you know, moving things earlier into the daytime might, might address some of that official shortage, too. Um, so in a, in another life, I'm also a PA announcer. And so I always talk to refs and everything like that. And, uh, you know, obviously major, um, you know, the major sport for fall sports is football for refs in terms of just the amount of, uh, manpower they need. And, and it seems like referees are saying, if you want to guarantee a full crew, you either play on Saturday or, or Thursday, um, so that just kind of echoes what you were saying, but you say ref shortage, and it seems like we also have like bus driver shortage as well. I mean, do you, uh, I mean, is that a stress for you? And just in terms of yet another thing that you have to deal with, I'm not asking for you to solve it. I'm just saying, is that a real issue in terms of just the shortages of the third parties that are all part of the game day experience? It is 1000% an issue. Um, it's an issue that, that we've been talking about and trying to solve for the last three years, four years that we've been facing this challenge. Um, is it a stressor? It's a stressor because I don't feel like people fully understand all the efforts that have gone into trying to ensure we have transportation, trying to ensure that we have officials. Um, you know, it always obviously is an issue when we have to cancel a contest. But again, it's one of those situations that we have zero control over, like, if we don't have a bus driver or a bus, then we can't travel. And sometimes we don't know that until game day and we end up canceling a game. Uh, fortunately, in football this year, we moved our Zilla game to a Saturday at the request of the Officials Association. Parents found out early. Our kids found out early. Our coaches found out early. It wasn't ideal, but people kind of knew what was going on and, and had a clue and were plugged into that conversation a little bit. Um if we have to move because of transportation, it's oftentimes not a thing that uh, people get a full scope of because, hey, we know that we don't have transportation on this day. We're going to try and reschedule. Now the game's rescheduled and people just adjust rather than, you know, having a cancellation on game day or just before to where we have no options for a reschedule and everything that's led up to that, you know, it's kind of a culminating point that can be frustrating for parents, obviously, and, and the kids whose games we have to cancel. But, uh, there has been hours upon hours upon hours poured into solving the uh, transportation issue and the shortage of officials issue. And, uh, you know, all I can say is that we're, we're really trying and there's a lot of things happening within the district looking at for next year to hopefully address even more some of the bus driver shortages that we're facing. Well, let's talk a little bit. You know, last week we did a fun segment called Would You Rather? And Desi described it as either getting, you know, a situation either being shot in the head or drowned because it was a, would you rather lose by a lot or win or lose by, you know, walk off. And at the end of the day, you still lose. So, so it sucks either yeah. way. Um, I guess you can comment on that. You said you'd probably rather, uh, 
early because yeah, you have I done the... I, so as a coach, you know, I was I lost on a couple last minute, really frustrating uh, walk off hits or errors, and they're never easy to take. So my initial response was to get beat early, but then after watching Jose Altuve <laughs> hit his walk off bomb the other day, I changed my mind. Like those guys were competing till the end. It was a fun game. There was respect shown between those guys and. And bottom line, one guy won it for the team. It wasn't wasn't because of a lack of performance or anything. It was just that was the guy who came out on top. So mm-hmm. I would much rather lose on a walk-off than get beat early. Absolutely. Well, shortly after we released last week's episode, I got a text message from Cole, which everybody's welcome to, to send us a message on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter if you have an idea for a would you rather. He sent me a text, would you rather take a Randy Johnson fastball to the ribs or a Mike Tyson punch to the ribs? Does that mean I have to answer it first? Either way. Yeah, you got to answer it. It's your question. I still don't know what I'm going to say, but I'm going to base it off of what you said. <laughs> you know, uh, it's a really tough question. I don't know the answer. I think I would probably take a Randy Johnson fastball because I've been hit by enough baseballs. And I know what it's going to feel mm-hmm. like. And I really have no idea how hard Mike Tyson can punch, but I'm sure it's really, really, really hard. So. <laughs> does not feel good. Yeah. Kentry, what about you? Uh, it's I, if I had to choose and there's a third option, I'd take, no, I wouldn't take either. But uh, like, I like kind of like you said, being a baseball player, it only hurts for a second, but I have a feeling a Randy Johnson fastball yeah. hurts like hell. Yeah, I would try as best as I can to Roger Dorn that thing when I got the first base <laughs> and start stretching that like it didn't hurt. But inside I'd deeply be crying. And I guess the other thought is I'd be playing major league baseball. So we'll go with Randy Johnson. Yeah. Well, does he, does Mike Tyson have a glove on or no? Yeah, you're in the boxing ring. You're, you're yeah. I'm I'm taking a punch from him. I don't think I could fathom taking a fast fall. Plus, I'm a lefty too. I don't know, just that lefty on lefty look. Well, the, the one perk of it is that I mean, 100 mile an hour fastball. You're not going to see it, so there's no leading up. You're just going to go, oh, out. <laughs> um, I'm going to go a different route. I'm going to take. I'd rather be hit by a fastball thrown by Mike Tyson because he doesn't have the skill to do it. Like how I just totally did not <laughs> answer that. Um, I don't want anyone, if it's not Mike Tyson throwing a fastball, then I guess if Mike Tyson knocks you out, you won't feel it for a while, and then you'll be pumped full of meds by the time you wake, wake up. So I don't know. Either way, it's not going to be good. I think our text message went back and forth and Cole's response was, well, Mike Tyson, because he's going to punch in the head, you're going to be knocked out. You won't know it anyway. So you might wake up with a headache, but it won't be that's bad. Well, we're going to take a quick pause and we're going to get back here in a second for our weekly scoreboard, going over all your local high school scores and, and then get into Central Washington University and then end it with our picks. So we'll be back in just one second. Well, we're back with our local scoreboard. Kittitas Volleyball is who we're going to start with. They lost Monday last week to Walla Walla Valley Academy, but they rebounded with wins over Mapton and 1A Royal City, beating both teams three games to none. They play Columbia Burbank tonight in Kittitas. Uh, Cleon Volleyball lost last week to Golden Dale, but then they beat Highland 3 to nothing. They take on LaSalle tonight at home. Cleon Soccer. Cleon won both games last week, beating Highland 4 to nothing, and then beating Natchez Valley 4 to 1. They play LaSalle tonight at 6 p.m., according to the Max Preps. Sometimes that's not always correct. Uh, then they will take on Royal City on Thursday. But Luke, can you tell us a little bit about what's going on? Yeah, so Grace Terrell, um, they weren't sure. You know, she's she's a scoring machine, but what they found out is she does, they were kind of wondering if uh, 
you know, how close she was to the state record, but no one seemed to know. But they found out a girl that went to Seattle Christian, um, who later went on to play at UW, scored 166 in her career. And Grace is currently at 152. Um, so there's about three more regular season games and there's going to be some postseason. So it's it's going to be close. But if she can score, you know, like she does two, three, four goals a game, um, it's probably going to get a little tougher near, you know, postseason time, but it's going to be close to that state record. You know, I just had a little side thought when you were talking this there, Luke, about the movie 61 and Roger Myers come down to the end. I mean, it's pretty much the same as important as that. So yeah. that's awesome. Hopefully she can go get that this week and help her team win a few games along with breaking that. Uh, let's go to Ellensburg girls soccer. Last week, they beat Grandview three to two. They take on East Valley this afternoon at Ellensburg, and then they go to Othello on Thursday. The soccer team's doing pretty good this year, Cole. Our soccer girls have been outstanding this year. Um, the thing that's probably the most impressive to me is they've had some pretty serious injuries happen to a number of their key athletes and people have just stepped right up and, and taken over some of those roles. And uh, yeah, it's going to be, I mean, today and, uh, and Thursday versus Othello are going to be some difficult matchups for sure. Especially going to Othello is never an easy, easy place to play, but uh We've got a great group of senior girls who will recognize today. We've got a whole bunch of young kids, too, who are, you know, excited and eager. And, and uh, we're looking for a pretty deep postseason run with the soccer team. That's awesome. Well, let's move on to high school football. Oh, man, I thought they were going to do it. They were going to get their first win of the season. Yeah, first win in a while. But the high school football, Cleon lost to Granger 20-16. to Looked like it was all scoring in the second half. It was back-to-back going. Uh, they, they had a shot at it. The first score for the Warriors was a pick six by Sattler. Couple stat leaders for the Cleon Warriors was Cameron Sattler was nine for 17, 118 yards, and Christopher Orr was four catches for 75 yards. You know, the thing I think about that one, um, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was the great Herm Edwards when he was coaching the Jets. You play to win. Um, but trying to find the silver lining in that, they were competitive. Um, and so hopefully they can get, they can find a little momentum uh, going into this week, which we'll talk about here in a second. But uh, you play to win, but if you can't find that win, find the silver lining, find the the positives, uh, which you two guys are coaches. I mean, you got to find positives and momentum every day, practice or games or whatever the scenario. Right. Well, they play take on LaSalle this Friday at home. They're a, they're kind of a powerhouse in the one A, and, and uh, let's hopefully maybe maybe LaSalle teams always have letdowns, and so let's see if we can have something happen here. A uh, big news coming out of Dayton Waitsburg this weekend. I threw a little. I had. I was on the west side with my in-laws for the weekend, and I saw the final score, and I was so pumped because Kittitas got their first win of the season. They defeated Dayton Waitsburg twenty-four to eighteen. John, you were at the game. You got to make the trip to the beautiful Wheat Country. Oh, it was an incredible drive. Uh, really appreciated the horizontal rain as well because we had <laughs> rain and wind. Um, really made the fan experience uh, that much better because I'm usually in the. Uh, announcers booth doing PA announcing and definitely not um, wore some paper thin pants and paper thin shirts and uh, I'm sure the crowd liked it but uh, I I was very uncomfortable but great game great game uh, freshmen stood out I mean Josh Rosbach obviously had a great game um, uh, we just had freshman guys Tucker Newcomb um, uh, he had a he had a great game. He was all over the field um, in the in the reps that he was taking. So, just great great game on the road. And and uh, you know we'll talk about Mabden here in a second. But good momentum going into this week. 
I'll tell you one highlight that doesn't come out of Kittitas very often, but Giovanni Sanchez had a 37-yard field goal that when they took the 17-12 to 12 lead, and we don't really have kickers out there very often. No, it was great to, to see him kick that, and he cleared it. I mean, he had, uh, I don't know if he had like 50 yards on it, but he definitely could have hit, you know, from, you know, 42, 43 yards. So um, split the outrights, and, and uh, you know, another, what set that up was a uh, was an interception. Um, Josiah uh, Spinzer, I think is his name, he uh, picked off a pass in our red zone, got it all the way back into um, D-dub territory, and that's what set up that uh, field goal. So just a great all-around game. Yeah, it looks like Dawson Byers even was able to get a touchdown for the Coyotes to kind of push things out of the out of uh, reach for them to for Dayton to come back and make a comeback in that game. Kittitas plays Mapton at home, senior night this Friday. Mapton's three and four overall, one and four in league with their only league win also being over Dayton Waitsburg. A big win in Othello Friday night. Ellensburg beats Othello seventeen to seven. That puts the Bulldogs wrapped up the CWAC North with their seventeen to seven win over Othello Friday night. What a that's a big, big win for Ellensburg. Big being the key word here because when I walked on the field and saw the Othello kids, they have some monster, monster kids in Othello. And it kind of reflects their game plan of, you know, ground and pound and just kind of try and shove it down your throat. And our kids did a great job of plugging those holes. And our coaching staff had a great game plan put together and and kind of <clears throat> forced Othello into some uncomfortable scenarios of trying to bounce plays to the outside and then even throw the ball a little bit. And that's not that's not their go-to. So uh, credit to our kids and our coaches for coming up with and executing a really good game plan against a huge team in the Othello Huskies. Well, I think it, it seems like this year that the CWACs, like the Pac-12, they're going to beat up on each other. And to go to Othello, we all know that's not an easy place to go play. Yeah. And that, that's huge. That was a great, great win by these guys. They're at home this uh, Friday night against Quincy. You said senior night, I senior believe. Night, yep. Quincy's 3-4, and 0-3. Oh what a what a fun night it's going to be for the seniors. Well, and Quincy, hey, they're going to – they're on three or whatever right now, but they come to play us and they play us tough every year. They're they're in the game, so don't uh, don't sleep on the Jackrabbits because they're going to come and try and knock us off. So, oh yeah, the few people from Quincy I knew, they always had a few choice words, and they don't like losing to you guys. So, don't let that happen, Ellensburg. Let's go through uh, some Central Washington Wildcat athletics. The volleyball team had a great week. They swept. Both teams they played. They beat Western Oregon three to nothing, three games to none, and then they beat Concordia three games to none. Uh, these wins put Central in fourth in the GNAC uh, with Alaska Fairbanks tied up with them. They're behind Simon Fraser, Alaska Anchorage, and the much hated Western Washington Vikings are sitting in first place at the GNAC. I think we can all agree that we, we don't want to see them win the GNAC. We don't want to see Western, we any team <laughs> beginning with Western. We had this text thread here. <laughs> We had to educate Luke, mm-hmm. um, who went to school down there in in, uh, uh, in Oregon. You don't. I don't even like saying the word Western. So, but I would like to say, um, some redheaded prognosticator said that uh, Central Volleyball would sweep both Western Oregon and Concordia. I did not get any pats on the back from anybody, so I'm going to do that to myself right now. Good job. No text from Mario. Didn't no, I didn't get a text from Mario, thanks, but Mario. Uh, um, every once in a while I do get a retweet from him. So, uh, Coach, thanks a lot. <laughs> That's big time. Uh, <laughs> Central the Volleyball, uh, they're at St. Martin's on Thursday, and then they're at SPU on Saturday. 
Uh, Central Women's Soccer, they beat Simon Frazier 3-2, to two, but then they lost to a tough, I know Farron, when I took his coaching class at Central, Coach, or Coach Farron, uh, always talked about Seattle Pacific being a tough soccer school. Uh, they lost to SPU one to nothing. Central is also in fourth place in the GNAC behind Western Oregon. SPU is in second. And then again, those guys up the north. I don't even want to say they're, they're up north on I-5, aren't they? You know what? We're just going to call them, instead of Western, we'll just say Voldemort. There you go. Okay. <laughs> they're in first place too. But the, I believe that Western's coming to town here shortly, here in the week or so, to come play those guys. Which, actually, if I would have scrolled down a little quicker, that Thursday, the Central Vo- or soccer team plays Northwest Nazarene at 6 p.m. start. I believe that'll be on Tomlinson Stadium's field under the lights. And then if you're heading to the football game Saturday for Central, go a little early. Go over to the soccer field at 2 p.m. They take on Western. Let's go, Central. Send right. those guys packing. Okay, another big one. And I was at a family event. And I probably, you know, I waited till the respectful time to be on my phone, but it was just happened to be the last couple of minutes. I got to pull it up. We were cleaning up the event to see Central score, tie the game up at Western Oregon, and then go to overtime. My phone cuts out, but then I get a text from Luke Olson with all caps, Central wins. They won in overtime, 42 to 41. Western Oregon goes for two to win the game, gets denied by the Wildcats. It was incredible. You were at a family event. I was in the car driving, but I was... uh um, strongly encouraging my wife to refresh my live stats like every 30 seconds. Um, and I, I, what a what an incredible game, um, especially since they beat us here. And then we go to play them in that field. That's not turf. And uh, Monmouth is very, very wet in October. And so that was a uh, that was a mud bowl. It was pretty cool seeing the players full on head slide like the, the what's that movie in, when they're in jail with uh, Adam Sandler. When they're sliding across the mud field, longest yard. Longest yeah. yard. They were longest yard and across the Western Oregon logo. And, and you know, sportsmanship, but that was awesome, <laughs> especially against those guys, man, because uh, they would do the same thing at our place. Man, what a what an offensive day by everybody. Christian Moore, 32 for 52 with 332 yards, four touchdowns, 10 rushing attempts for 60 yards. What a day he had. It, I mean, it seemed, just these last couple of games, I mean, he's throwing the ball a lot. It almost seems like. I don't know, but it's like they're changing that, their identity a little bit. I mean, they're throwing a lot more than they did last year. You know, obviously they got it, still got Michael Roots, but yeah, Christian Moore is uh, they're riding his hot hand right now. So I mean, it just, it just seems pretty consistent every week now. Yeah, he was at seventy-one yards on thirteen attempts with one touchdown. Tony Archie, eleven receptions for one hundred thirty-one yards and a touchdown. Tyson Rainwater was six receptions for eighty-four yards. Uh, other guys getting touchdowns for the Wildcats receiving crew was Jojo Halil, Samuel Sanchez, and Caden Hammond. Uh, they play this week against Simon Frazier, which I made a comment last week. Simon Frazier's finishing last place, not going to win a game. They broke a 48-game losing streak on Saturday. <laughs> so you're welcome. I got did that for you. Put me on the payroll. Uh, they beat Azusa Pacific out of all the teams. In Azusa. In Azusa, down in California. Wow. I, I mean, I was shocked. I saw that last night when I texted you guys, and I was completely shocked. They beat them 24-17. Oh, my goodness, man. What what a – I don't even – I'm speechless about that. They were – it was uh, it was actually 10, 10 to 0 going into the locker room for halftime, and then so um, Simon Fraser scored all those points in the second half, and Azusa answers with a late score but uh, couldn't get the, the onside. And so, um, I you know – Great for Simon Frazier, but I stopped being a fan on Monday morning when it was game week for us against them. Oh, right. 
And especially we need Azusa to win one more game. They need to beat Western Oregon so we can have the GNAC title by ourselves. Uh, that's a big one. I didn't write down stats for those guys because what I personally think this weekend is going to come down to is it's not going to matter what. It's just taking care of business, taking things one play at a time. They're going to have to go and just you know execute. If you execute them, you're going to beat them by a lot. I agree, Coach. Heck yeah. Well, that kickoff is at 6 p.m. It'll be your last chance for a, a complete night game at Tomlinson Stadium for the year because the last game of the season they move it up to an earlier kick time. Uh, hopefully you guys can get out there and, and see the Wildcats Take on Simon Fraser, the, the friendly neighbors from the north of Canada. Well, we're going to take another quick pause, and we'll be right back with the fun segment, our picks for the week. Uh, it was kind of boring last week. We hold the same record, but we'll get into that in just one second. Kittitas Valley Sports Talk would like to take a moment and ask that you check out our Facebook and Twitter page at Kittitas Valley Sports Talk. Also check out our podcasts on Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts along with the Anchor app. Just search for Kittitas Valley Sports Talk. All right, now we're heading into our weekly picks. Uh, John, Eric, and I all went 5-3. and three. Uh, I still lead with a 23-18 and 18 record. And John and Eric are both tied at 21-20. and 20. That's not that good. <laughs> but it's better than last week. I'm back up, but I'm on the right side of 500 ball. We're making progress. Luke. It's not how you start. It's how you finish. What does Pete Carroll say? You win a game in the first quarter? No. Second? No. Third? Fourth quarter? Yes. So I'm coming back. Okay. Your spot's not safe. So, but the guests are 20 and 11. I mean, they're just, they're not cops hard. We missed a week, but they're off to a pretty good start. We'll see if Cole can continue that. No pressure. Um, so the first game, uh, Ellensburg at Quincy. Who you got, John? The dogs, baby. Senior day, senior night. We're at home. Nothing against the Jackrabbits, but uh, it's going to be dogs by three scores. Dogs. I think the Bulldogs are going to eat some Jackrabbits on Friday night. Okay. Um, I'll take Ellensburg. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the next next game, we have Kittitas versus Mapton. K-Town, baby. I think that uh, they've got some great momentum uh, with that win against Dayton Waitsburg. Uh, Mapton is not going to – they're not a league leader there in that uh, Eastern Washington League. Um, I think uh, Kittitas' momentum and just the difficult schedule playing three ranked teams already this year, um, if they can stay healthy, they'll get win number two on senior night as well. I got the Yotes also. <clears throat> I think they got some young kids who are getting some valuable experience this year and uh, – they're going to show it Friday night. I got my coyote hat back on again. I'm with Camo this time because, you know, it's that tough mentality that they're going to need to get the dub on Friday night. And they're going to get that senior night. The seniors are going to have their last chance to play at home and they're going to get the dub. Go Yotes. <laughs> you picked them last week and they won. So. Uh, now we got Clam at LaSalle. You know what? Uh, in a matchup of ranked teams, LaSalle embarrassed Zilla uh, last week. It just embarrassed them. Um, and uh, I really hope uh, Klingolim has some good luck, but I unfortunately am going to have to pick against the Warriors. I think, I think LaSalle, they're going to get the dub. My heart is with the Warriors through and through, but I'm also a realist, and I think LaSalle is going to take this one. I need the points, guys. I'm sorry, but uh, I absolutely – you know, LaSalle is one of those schools that used to be in our league. They were a rival for us. They be, they were our homecoming game every year at Kittitas, 
And then all of a sudden they got good for two years and they weren't our homecoming game anymore. I would love to see nothing more than sent or clean beat LaSalle, send them home packing. Sorry to my friend, Harry Pratt, who's a uh, coach at LaSalle was a coach at LaSalle for that comment, but LaSalle's going to win. I got LaSalle as well. Um, and to the college ranks, uh, we got central versus Simon Frazier. I think this is an easy one for everybody. <clears throat> Simon Frazier's hashtag is rep the leaf. And uh, those leaves are going to be raked up in the fall <laughs> season. You like that analogy? I mean, poetry that's, right that's there. Go cats. <laughs> Absolutely. Cats are going to take this one, but I think Simon Frazier is going to give them everything they got. Hopefully there's no letdown this week after a big win at Western Oregon. Um, but Central's going to win. Yep. I'm with everyone else. Uh, now we get the Big Sky, a Big Sky matchup. Uh, Eastern at Montana. Both, both with a two and one conference record. So Montana just got beat by Sacramento State. Um, there's a our weekly shout out to Ryan Goon. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Ne- neither of these teams are the dominant forces they've been in the past. Um, I like the Eagles. Um, I believe this is called the Governor's Cup. Mm. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say Eastern in a little bit of an upset. I think I'll go ahead and agree with you, John. I don't know much about Eastern or Montana, but if they got similar records, um, I think that Eastern's track record the past few years will will lead them to the promised land. Yeah, this was a tough matchup for me. You know, history, I'm going to root for the Washington schools, but if you guys have ever been to Grizz Stadium in Missoula, it is a beautiful place to go watch a game. And I'm going to give a shout-out to my friend Thomas Burnett, my old college roommate, Central Baseball alum from Helena, Grizz fan. Go Grizz. I'm going to go with Montana as well. Um, and we have uh, the Pac-12. Um, Wazoo at Oregon. Is it that Oregon? Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. At, Oregon. at number 12, Oregon. Oregon just had a comeback win against UW in Seattle. Who you got, John? I'm going to make two picks here. <laughs> um, I hate to do it, but I think it's going to be the Ducks. We're not riding the... Uh, the wave of uh, Wazoo's uh, momentum from last year. My second pick is here. We're going to find out in about uh, 20 seconds uh, how many tears country's going to cry when he realizes that it's inevitable that he's going to lose this game because he can't <laughs> pick against the Cougs. Damn it. Uh, there is absolutely no chance that WSU wins because they lack this little part of the game called defense. <laughs> If you score 60 points, <laughs> they're probably going to score 60 points. Um, I, John, you got me, man. I can't go against my heart because if I pick Oregon and then the Cougs are going to win, which they're probably going to win anyways, I will hate too. myself. Yeah. Uh, I think it's going to, you know, Oregon's big win beating the Huskies. They're back home. Cougs have beat them what, five years in a row. Make it six, man. Let's go, Cougs. <laughs> We're going. We're doing it. Give them a loss. I got the Ducks. Ah. All right, uh, Seattle in the pro ranks. You got Seattle at Atlanta. I'm not going to answer this one, so you guys can get the same problem. Yeah, my pick. So clearly, Luke is uh, bleeding blue. Um, the Seahawks disappoint me when they're at home. They're on the road though, so I'm going to take the Hawks. They're undefeated on the road. They've lost two at home. Um, I'm taking the Seahawks. A good friend of mine once said that Russell Wilson is the greatest competitor he's ever seen in his entire life. 
and I try not to bet against Russ. It just depends on if the rest of the team is going to <laughs> help him out at all. Hawks. I believe in Pete Carroll, and I believe in Russell Wilson, and I also believe in our defense right now because we got some studs on there, and I think they had a rough game, but they're going to have a great comeback game this week, and the Hawks are going to win. Well, that wraps up our picks for the week. Wraps up another fun episode. I know I can probably speak for the other two guys that it makes Mondays a little bit more fun knowing that we're prepping for podcasts on Tuesdays and hoping all you guys are enjoying this as much as we are making their podcast. Go ahead and check us out on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. Hit us up on there if you have any subjects for Would You Rather for next week's episode. We'd like to thank Cole Canyon for coming in and being our guest this week. Thank you guys for having me. Appreciate it. Well. We'll see you next week, fans.